Welcome to Rock Shop Talk. Our show talks best practices, fun anecdotes, and the latest cutting-edge technology in our field to kick your screen printing gears in a hyperdrive. Today's episode discusses DTC and fulfillment. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll be right back. I want to welcome everybody back to Rock Shop Talk, your one-stop rock shop where we talk all things screen printing. Today, we are talking about direct-to-consumer fulfillment, and we are joined with Jed Seifert of Stakes Manufacturing. I am a Rock U.S. president, Ross Hunter. Alongside of us, as always, is our creative producer, Mr. Merrill Caps. How's everyone doing today? Awesome. 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 Thank you so much for joining us, Jeff. This is great to have you. Oh, great to be here, guys. Thanks, man. Absolutely. I love your, your background there, Merrill. It's our uh, Vancouver, oh, yeah. Washington yeah. headquarter office, which is actually a house that's been reconverted into office space, but we have a really cool sign out front. So, And we actually got the new sign. I didn't know that was already done. That's awesome. Uh, magic. Or are you superimposed? Was that some Photoshop uh, skills going on there? That's, uh, that's Miss Seuss's special seasoning on that image for us. <laughs> That's awesome. thank you Kristen. you're awesome <laughs> cool very cool uh, well let's get into some updates of, yeah. what's what's going on in the world of rock gosh so many things are happening we we're, we're still on tour we're now like right in the middle of the tour i'm about to join that for about three and a half weeks so we might be on a little bit of a hiatus for the show here until then we might do one on the road uh, in the meantime, but until then, we'll uh, we'll try to keep in touch with social and that jazz. But we're going to see a bunch of you on the road. Excited about that. I'm going to join. I believe my first trip will be joining with Tommy's Tees, which I'm really pumped about. Another uh, Rock Shop Talk veteran team over there. Excited about that. And um, that's pretty much the biggest thing that we have going on. I mean, there's lots that are going on, but that's probably as far as how you're concerned. That's what you probably need to know. Outside of oh, yeah, I, I, I heard on the road too, so far, uh, so good with Roxy, the tour bus. However, we lost a window driving down the interstate. And I think we lost a hubcap um, at one point in time. And I did get a really cool video of uh, some of our partners filling up a shopping cart of random things in a Walmart and playing football <laughs> inside the Walmart at about, let's see, it must've been 11 o'clock at night, wherever they were. Um, definitely might've had some libations involved there. It was a pretty entertaining video though. I might have to see that. <laughs> so hey, it's good to see hey, people, people, people having fun. Um, it, it happens when you buy a used RV from a place <laughs> that <laughs> maybe you shouldn't buy used RVs from. However, you get like the most smoking deal on the face of the planet. But I think that they <laughs> might have like duct taped a couple of things on there to make the bus look, you know, aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> Question, uh, has the window been replaced or talk about that? I think it, I think it has been. I know that they taped it up. I, it was a top like small window on the driver's mm. side door. So I'm not, I'm not sure. Well, those are just, might just be real anyway. Cool. So we're, we should be fine. Yeah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Any uh, marketing updates or anything outside of the tour that we got going on, Meryl? 
Uh, we got a bunch of bunch of great downloads. Let's see. Besides the auto ready score, by all means, if you haven't done that yet, check and see what your score is. It's a super easy thing. This is free. And once you find out your score, we'll send you a whole bunch of resources as far as how you can become more ready for that and find out what you need to do to prepare yourself for that next step. The second thing about that, we're working on uh, kind of the topic of the day, which is a good segue about how automating fulfillment can transform your business. So look for that too, and reach out with any questions as always, and we're happy to point you in the right direction. Yeah, and we have a really cool ROI calculator actually on our uh, fulfillment or on our folding packing page. So check that out to see how you can save mm -hmm. some money if you are using uh, flip and folds, which uh, I got a kick out of Jed here when I was touring stakes about, what is about a month ago? And uh, walking through, and I saw some of those uh, fun, fun plastic uh, flip and folds, and and we got a good chuckle out of that. So, um, if if you are using those, definitely check that ROI calculator out. Um, it'll help you see why that is um, not always the best solution. But yeah, uh, without further ado, yeah. Just so ahead, you man. know, out there too, on that topic, by all means, if if that's a possibility, by all means, let us know. We'll set up an in person. Uh, demo for the folding back stack, all that jazz. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, without further ado, let's introduce Jed Seifert, Stakes Manufacturing. Thank you again, sir, for uh, being with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you rocking the stakes here as well. Oh, I, I, I was telling Jed before the uh, before we got on air here, I love the shirt. I wear it all the time. I got it when I did uh, a tour over at his facility. We shot some really cool videos, which will be coming out soon. So stay tuned for those to learn a lot more about stakes, what they're doing, um, how Rock has kind of uh, introduced itself into their business operations. But these shirts, I actually want more. So I'm just saying, I'm going to throw that out there now. I might have to come back for another visit, though, to pick some up because we got to, you know, give and take there. But I, I do love the shirt. Um, so, Jed, tell us a little bit about Stakes, the uh, company history, where you guys started, where it's kind of gone to today, and and what, you know, specific market niche you guys, um, you know, are involved in there. Absolutely. So uh, Stakes is a print-on-demand apparel company. Um, we're pretty different, though, than most of your sort of traditional print-on-demand companies out there because we're fully B2B. Um, most of the print-on-demand companies out there, you're going to have an app in the Shopify marketplace that the general public can just go sign up, um, start selling. So, you know, any mom and pop uh, up to big brands can, can be able to use their service. Um, we're a bit different. We, we're, you know, we're, we are the print-on-demand company that's trusted by the pros. So um, we work closely with um, large aggregators um, and, and provide a white-label B2B print-on-demand service. So um, some of our partners consist of we're the only domestic uh, DTG printer for all the sports leagues and fanatics. Um, we also work with a ton of record labels. So we're doing stuff for the Beatles and Rolling Stones and Jimi Hendrix and a lot of cool stuff like that. We also do some TV and entertainment like ABC and Discovery, Shark Week coming up. So that's that's going to be that's a big oh, one nice. for us as well. Um, and, and then we also work with a ton of T-shirt companies like you know, Redbubble, Threadless, Tee Public, um, and our the, the traditional print-on-demand providers. 
you might think are our competition, but they're actually some of our best partners. So, you know, we are printing for, you know, the Printifies, the Gutens, uh, a lot of screen printers as well. Um, a lot of screen printers are utilizing our wholesale program. So we have two, two sort of programs. One is we integrate into the back end of your website via API or a number of other integration op options, and we receive direct consumer orders. So you go to NFL.com from DC. So I get my Washington football team shirt. I get Jed number 11 on the back. That, that order then comes directly to Stakes. Stakes will print it and ship it within two days. We'll white label it as if we're the NFL and Fanatics, so the end consumer doesn't know that we even exist. Um, so that's that's sort of our direct consumer uh, fulfillment, and that's the majority of our business. But uh, the really growing part of our business is we is the wholesale side, where we're starting to support a lot of brands and screen printers. Um, and you say screen printers, well, why would they use us? They use us because we allow them to lower their minimums. A lot of screen printers don't want to print less than 144 units. So they can send wholesale right. orders as low as 24 units to us. Uh, there's really no minimum at that if they're integrated. Um, and, and they'll send stuff to us that's high color count. Uh, they'll send stuff to us that's photoreal images that will uh, print better digitally. And quick turn is really a big one. Um, so we're, we're doing a lot of wholesale stuff for printers. And then for the brand side, we're doing a lot of smaller orders so that they could support boutique retailers who don't want to buy a thousand shirts or even hundreds of shirts. Um, as well as fill orders. So, you know, the, the unifying theme of all the partners that we work with, though, is that they care about quality. And um, really, that's where we've separated ourselves in the industry is, you know, by our proprietary file prep process, you know, and everything that we do to allow digital printing to Pantone match so that you can print for the sports leagues and, you know, the Beatles and stand up to cancer and all these people who have very valuable IP, uh, distinct Pantones than their branding. And um, yeah, so it's, uh, our, it's been an exciting time for our company as well. You know, COVID last year, while it posed a ton of challenges, is actually quite a bit of an accelerator for our business. So um, it's great to hear. Yeah, we actually, you know, with everybody moving towards e-commerce, which was already happening, you know, everybody, COVID was kind of just fuel on the fire. And right. it took, and it took right. what probably would have taken like three years of growth and did it in about six months. So um, wow. we, we tripled the size of our business in that six month period last year. And, uh, and then coming into this year, the big question was, you know, was it going to continue? Um, and, and we're pacing to double the size of our business this year. So we really don't see anything slowing down. Um, so it's an exciting time for the print-on-demand industry, DTG, uh, and really it's kind of the future because everybody's seeing the flaws with overproduction and, you know, uh, everybody's looking for quick turn, lower quantities and doesn't want to have their cash sitting in cotton on a shelf collecting dust. Um, and I think the other question you asked was kind of how this all started. So uh, absolutely, my, my business partner and I have been best friends since we were five years old. We're basically brothers uh you know his family's at my house for thanksgiving my family's at his house for christmas um nice. and uh we started out in the print on demand space actually not in apparel so our first company was a company music skin so we did uh vinyl skins for ipods and cell phones and, and electronic okay. devices uh back in okay. 2008 we started that business and we had licensing deals with pretty much everybody in the entertainment space, pop culture. So everything from the Beatles 
to uh, Justin Bieber, to SpongeBob, to South Park, to Muhammad Ali, to Kim Kardashian. I mean, it really ran the gamut. But with our business, we had thousands of licenses. We had thousands of devices. And the devices, as we all know, the devices have a shelf life of a year before they come out with a new iPhone and then everybody has that. So our business model was not conducive to inventory and wholesale production. So everything that we printed, whether it was, you know, 50,000 units for Hot Topic or individual one-off orders coming through the website, everything that we printed mm. was print on demand and just in time. So um, we had a successful sale of that uh, company back in 2011. And after we sold that company, uh, we partnered with a printing company, uh, Jack Prince out of Cleveland, who we had worked closely with uh, during our time at Music Skins. They had printed a lot of our back sheets and marketing materials. And um, after we sold the company, we, we came to those guys and we said, hey, look, you know, we're interested in starting a print-on-demand program with apparel. We want to take your guys' printing expertise with our print-on-demand business model expertise and our portfolio of partners, and we want to launch this B2B program. And again, when we set out, we didn't want to be, we only wanted to work with these larger aggregators. So whether it's, you know, the record label that represents 150 bands or, you know, a website that represents tens of thousands of artists or a platform site. So uh, we grew that business from 2012 uh, till 2019. And in 2019, we had the opportunity to acquire that division from Jack Prince, uh, rebranded as Stakes Manufacturing. Um, and there's been no turning back since. It's really just been a, a rocket ship and it's it's been very exciting. That's awesome, man. Wow. So were you guys able then to carry over a lot of the licenses that you had in the original company? Because I know you mentioned some of the same names, you know, the Beatles and and some of these, or did you recreate those relationships then with the with the new business going on apparel, coming away from the uh, the the technology or, or you know electronic space? Yeah, great question. So um, we don't do any licensing at stakes. We don't do any sales. We are just um, the guys behind it. You know, we're just the printers who gotcha. are okay. making the product and we're fulfilling it as if we're our partners, but. We're not actually selling direct to consumer or licensing anything. Um, now we work with tons of licensors and licensees and IP holders. And, you know, our relationships with a lot of the record labels and entertainment companies that we, you know, successfully flourished over the years with in the music skins days absolutely helped us uh, grow relationships um, that we could do print on demand. But it's definitely different people, even in the organization. While it's still under the consumer products umbrella, you know, you have most of these organizations have their licensing division um, and then they have their sort of sourcing and production division. So we had to kind of transition from the licensing side of these organizations over to production and sourcing. And uh, as we all know, you know, when you, when you do good business with people, um, they're always open to do more business with you. So uh, yeah, we were definitely able to use those relationships to kind of quickly jumpstart the business and, and, and continue to, grow and cultivate those relationships, become a more meaningful part uh, of these guys' supply chain. Because, I mean, even when we were doing the Skins products, it's still like an ancillary product. It's an accessory. Um, but, you know, T-shirts and sweatshirts are everybody's bread and butter. Absolutely. Sure. So in terms of your model of fulfillment, so you talked about APIs, you guys integrate in with these other companies, 
their consumer places an order, probably goes into a queue that then transfers over to your system, says, hey, we've got this Redskin shirt. This is the artwork. This is what goes on it. But after you guys receive that, knowing that you're all um, digital printing, can you just very like rudimentarily walk us through what that fulfillment process looks like just in terms of that direct to con- – because you basically are going – to consumer after you get the order. So when that comes in, where does it go from there? And how do you guys maintain the quality and the speed that you're talking about through that process? Because two days is a quick turnaround going direct to someone's home address, essentially, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So can you kind of walk us through what that looks like? Yeah, absolutely. And just to clarify, the two days is for us to ship it out. So depending on how the customer pays for shipping, it could show up the third day, it could show up the fifth right. day, depending on what method um, that they're that they're using. And, um, and and quite frankly, two days we think is too long. Uh, you know, we all live in this new Amazon <laughs> world. So, you know, yeah. our, goal, our goal as a business is to get to a 24 hour uh, or less turn time. And, and, and 40% of the stuff we shipped last month shipped in less than 24 hours. So that's really where we're driving towards. So, um, you know, we have a very large facility and a good portion of that facility is, uh, is, is warehouse. Uh, You know, we got, we inventory 12,000 different SKUs, um, you know, so that we can be very quick. And uh, so essentially an order comes in, uh, the person will go, uh, one of our employees will go pick the shirt off the shelf out of its bin. Um, They'll adhere a sticker to it which has a, a, a QR code. Uh, that QR code will then tell um, the printer uh, exactly what it's printing and all the proper settings to have. And it's also gonna pop up on the screen with the mock-up, not just the production file, but also the mock-up. So it matches what the customer is seeing on their website, uh, because really we wanna hit the customer's expectations. And um, we'll then print, we'll print it. And uh, when it comes off the back of the printer, it goes onto the dryer. Uh, when it comes off the dryer, it goes to a QC station. Uh, each of the QC stations is equipped with a, a 42-inch TV where they scan the barcode, up pops, again, that mock-up, as big as it can be, uh, and we'll tell it how many print locations it's supposed to have. If there's um, any inside label branding, I'd say about 50% of the stuff we print, uh, we tear away the inside tag and print in the brand of the, of the of the organization. So instead of sending out a Gildan shirt, you know, you're sending out a stand up to cancer shirt. Um, and right. uh, so once QC has checked it, it then can go to uh, any of three different directions within our facility now. So one direction um, is the analog direction, which you uh, brought up before, which would be uh, old school flip and fold. Uh, and then, uh, and can go into a manual packaging process where you're literally just taking the folded shirt and you're slipping it into the package and then you're taking the shipping label and you're adhering it to it. That is the slow process. Uh, and the other process that we have is uh, a little bit more automated, which is, um, the shirt comes off, it goes to the fulfillment desk. Um, and then we have uh, a different type of auto bagger that just blows air into the bag. You put the shirt in seals it, stamps on the shipping label, and then out it pops. Um, and then the third method, which we're, we're most excited to talk about on this, is, uh, is, our, is our rock method, which is um, we then take the shirts over to the rock machine. Um, the rock machine will then fold it, bag it, and slap on the shipping label. Uh, we, were, we actually uh, met, you guys for the, met you guys back in 
early 2019 or late 2018. Yeah. Uh, and when yeah, we first I think it was, uh, yeah, a trade show. Yeah. And when we first saw the machine, we loved what it did, but it really wasn't made for our business. It was made for your traditional manufacturer because it would put it into a clear poly bag and then just stamp on like a barcode or a UPC, whatever, onto it, which mm-hmm. we don't use clear poly bags. We don't use UPC. Mm-hmm. All we want is a poly mailer. Uh, so we talked with you guys about how we could engineer this machine to be able to um, not just fold and bag, but be able to be a fulfillment station and, and actually adhere the shipping label to it. Uh, so you guys took a few months, did some R&D on it, uh, and uh, came back with a finished product that's that's great. And um, we've got three of them. So, um, you know, it's, awesome. it, it, it's exciting for us because it's really in, enabled us to be more efficient as a business. Um, last year during our tremendous growth where we, you know, we tripled the size of the business, we actually had 800% growth in employees. Um, you know, we wow. hired 350 people in a six month period. Uh, and it was nuts. There's no other word. <laughs> it, it was absolutely <laughs> crazy. And we still couldn't hire fast enough. And, uh, you know, we got your equipment installed just in time uh, because going into the holiday, which, you know, Black Friday, Christmas is our Super Bowl. It's, you know, you see volumes anywhere from two to seven times what you would see from every partner, uh, you know, during that during that period, especially. And then you get a 10, maybe a 10 times spike, if not more on Black Friday and Cyber Monday specifically. And just um, so we can, I'm, I'm going to cut you off real quick, but just so we can get our, our listeners an idea here during that season in a 24 hour period, how many single units are being shipped out your door a day? Up to 25,000. 25,000 zeros after that. Yeah. 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 So That's awesome. So, yeah, that's, so, that's the 350 people. I, I can't get it. <laughs> yeah, and some of those people aren't even permanent. So we, we run about, like, uh, right now during, this is sort of non-peak for us, we're more at like a 250 to 275. Um, but, you know, every year we have to staff up about 100 people for Q4 just because of the sheer volume. You know, and, and when you bring, when you staff up that amount of people in such a short period of time, it leads to a lot of challenges. One, user error, you know, cause you're trying to train people, you're trying to get them up to speed Two, you're just trying to hire that many people. And by the way, everybody else is trying to, you know, hire those people at the same time because everybody else is hiring their seasonal staff. So um, we literally couldn't hire fast enough. And we did the calculations that if we didn't bring in your guys' equipment, which we brought in last minute, <laughs> late in the game in fourth quarter, just before holiday really kicked off, if we hadn't brought it in, we probably we would have had to hire anywhere from 40 to 50 additional fulfillment employees because of you know wow. just how efficient we were able to get off. So the ROI was huge. But even beyond that, it took a lot of pressure off of our HR department. Uh, it also took a lot of pressure off of our managers. That's 40, 50 less people that they have mm-hmm. to train to do things. You know, when you start talking about sort of speed, you know. When on a manual bagger, they're doing maybe anywhere from 40 to 70 an hour, depending on you know how long they've been doing it. On our other auto baggers that you're just doing one at a time, you know, maybe a hundred an hour. Uh, with your guys' equipment, and I gotta silo it into two different categories, right? So when we're shipping um, and we're putting a shipping label on it, on your equipment, we're getting 
easily 200 an hour, if not more. Um, and that's, mm-hmm. and, and when we aren't putting the shipping label, cause we'll also do stuff where we're just for wholesale and stuff, where we're just using it as just a straight folder and stacker. Um, we can get over, you know, we're getting 400 some odd an hour. Um, and really the only thing that holds up the shipping part of it and why it's so much slower has nothing to do with your equipment. It's actually the fact that, you know, our system is having to call, you know, FedEx, you know, calls on FedEx mm. to buy postage or USPS to buy postage and is waiting for the calls to come back. So it's really sort of the communication with us and the shipping, creating the shipping labels um, again. So, but either way, you're talking about a tremendous amount of speed uh, and, 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 and saving us a lot of employee hiring that uh, last year, again, I, I don't know what we would have done because we had hired every person that we could. I mean, it, it, it got to the point where our, hi, our hiring method was like, wait a second, hold on, let me put the temperature gun. Wait, uh, number, number starts with a nine? Come on in, you can work for us. I mean, it was that challenging to get people to work last year. I mean, it's, it's starting to get better, but it's, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was rough trying to get people in. Uh, so that's really good to say that's such a, we, we don't, we don't ever talk about that. Uh, maybe we could talk more about that after the break, but we don't ever talk about the cross outside of the face value uh, benefits of this. So like the operators and the business, but like cross departmental benefits, like you're talking about is really fascinating that hadn't occurred to me before. So this is great insight. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Well, with that, let's uh, take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we will talk more direct to consumer and fulfillment. We will be right back. Shopify reports more than half of consumer brand manufacturers are shifting their traditional retail strategies to offer products directly to a consumer. Download the How Automating Your Fulfillment Can Transform Your Business ebook so you can find out why the industry's top DTC fulfillment companies trust their operation and reputation with Rock Automation. To download your free copy today, please visit rock.us or call 1-87-ROCKET-NOW. That's 877-674-8669. Want to welcome everybody back to Rock Shop Talk, your one-stop rock shop where we talk all things screen printing. Today we are discussing direct-to-consumer printing and fulfillment, and we are joined with Jed Seifert of Stakes Manufacturing. I'm Rock U.S. President Ross Hunter, and alongside of me, as always, is our creative producer, Mr. Merrill Caps. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. So we kind of ended with this idea of, you know, how automation, let's just call it automation in general, mm-hmm. can have an effect not only on, you know, the operators, um, you know, and management that's running the floor, but Judd had kind of mentioned this whole idea that cross-departmentally it makes a difference. And you kind of mentioned, you know, HR, for example, with this machine, just in terms of hiring, it helped create I guess, would you call it an opportunity cost within these other departments where you kind of mitigated one issue to free up time, you know, for these folks to deal with other things? I mean, how would you describe that impact? Because that is a really interesting way to think about this that I don't think many people, I mean, myself included, think about when you're thinking about ROI, you tend Mm -hmm. to think about that direct effect of like, okay, I don't need to hire these 40 people. How much is that worth? How much does the machine cost? Boom, math makes sense. I'm good, right? But all those other things, when you guys are making those decisions, what is that impact? What does that look like? And can you explain a little bit more about it? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how you put a tangible dollar figure on it unless you really like just start calculating all the time that your managers are doing it. You know, but before the break, we talked about sort of eliminating the need to hire those 40 to 50 people, eliminating the need to train those 40 to 50 people. But if anybody's ever been a manager in any business, not printing anywhere, half, half of your job, right. if not more of it, is just managing the people, managing the personalities, you know, the things that are going on. So, you know, to take away 40 to 50 people that you'd have to manage, not just their job, but, you know, their personal well-being, because, you know, your people are the lifeblood of your business, right? And, and we firmly believe that you, 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 you build people and then they build your business, right? So, you know, it's important that you, you find quality people. It's important that you find consistency. So, you know, we talked about before the break, too, our need to scale up during the holidays. Well, the less we have to scale up during the holidays, the more efficient we are as a business. And the reality is our scaling is primarily in the fulfillment department because we only have X amount of machines. We only have X amount of operators that we Mm -hmm. have, right? And, And there's only so many people in the warehouse that can be running around grabbing shirts off. It's really the fulfillment area. In, 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 in that is impacted the most because you go from, you know, again, you, you, you go, you basically triple the amount of packages you're shipping out the door, if not more during the holiday. And a lot of that burden is on the fulfillment department. So, you know, just think about the average number of employees that report into a manager. And so not only are you talk about 40, 50 more employees, but you're also talking about more managers that you're going to have to hire to right. manage those employees because your current management staff can't just go, oh, yeah, just throw on another 40, 50 people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll deal with them. Because, again, personalities, needs, training, it, it is right. a lot. And, uh, you know, and you want to keep that consistency. So, you know, the more steady your staff is throughout the year, the more seasoned veterans you have and just the better your organization is going to run. So it's had a really big impact. And I think the other thing that I wanted to mention, too, was you were talking about sort of this cross-departmental. I actually left out the third department that we use it for. So we have, so we've got one part is the direct-to-consumer individual orders. The other part that we have is we have our wholesale orders. But then we also have a 3PL that actually uh, rents space within our building that uh, they inventory finished goods and we'll actually deliver product to them literally carted over to them so that they can take, you know, a coffee mug or a hat off the shelf that's inventory, marry it together and ship it out. So there's no split shipment. And the beauty of the rock machine is, and I, and I believe you guys have multiple configurations, but we have it set up in the T configuration. So basically if it's an individual consumer order, it goes off to the right side and we'll get bagged and shipping labeled and then drops into a bin. And then we'll go to the sorting folks to, to, to get it out on the shipping dock, or it will go to the left. And if it goes to the left, it's just going to stack up the folded shirts. So we can then either take those stacks and just literally cart them over to the 3PL within our organization or uh, take those. If there's uh, wholesale orders, um, then we would literally just be running everything to that side because you're just grabbing it order by order as opposed to, you know, hundreds, uh, if not thousands of individual orders that are carted over. So um, it's really had that flexibility uh, to kind of help both sides of that business. Wow. That's awesome. Holistic systemic savings built into that perpetually. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. 
And one of the things I wanted to talk about too, because you kind of mentioned a little bit about, you know, culture through this conversation. And one of the biggest things about my visit out there, um, man, I walked in and felt like home. And it's very rare that you walk into a business, no one's ever met you. Um, you know, someone walks up, greets me. Oh, we knew you were coming. Come on in. Let me show <laughs> you around. Let me, you know, didn't know me from Adam. And I, I just, I've got to say, you know, hey, congratulations, man. Everyone I met there was unbelievable. And I talked to a lot of your team when I was out there, you know, opera from operators, people, you know, managers, um, your head of HR. And we talked a lot about your culture. Can you explain, you know, to people out there, you know, you said people run your business. I agree with that sentiment a, a thousand percent. Um, but I don't think people, all, all business owners, we've got all different types that listen to this po podcast from people just getting into business to, to veterans like you have owned multiple businesses at this point. But how much time and effort do you guys spend on culture? Do you spend on hiring? Do you spend on diversity? Do you spend on training? And what taught you to do that? I think it's important to know where that comes from um, because you guys have just done an incredible job. Well, first, thank you for the kind words. It's, it's always great to hear that. Um, you know, it, we believe that culture really is maybe the most important thing in any business because again, your people are either going to make you or they're going to break you. Uh, it, it's really, it's that cut dry. It's, it's, you know, you either build the right culture and that your company can grow with, or, you know, you're just always playing cleanup or it could just be really detrimental to your business. It couldn't even ruin your business. You know, I grew up in a very diverse area in, in, in sort of Bethesda, Maryland, right outside of Washington, DC. Uh, my brother has fragile X, which is a developmental disability. So I was highly involved in Special Olympics. Um, I sit on the board of directors for the National Fragile X Foundation. Awesome. I sit on the board of directors for an organization called SEEK, which helps people in the D.C. area uh, with disabilities find meaningful employment. So it's really always been ingrained in me to A, give back, but B, inclusion is the most important thing. My brother getting a job working at the Securities Exchange Commission in the mailroom changed his life. It gave him purpose, awesome. gave him independence, it gave him the ability to support himself. And it wasn't just him, it took the took the burden off my parents who spent every day, you know, hoping they didn't die early because they wouldn't know how he would be supported and if he would be financially okay. Um, so it's always been, you know, it's always been a really big deal for me. And I've taken, and for my business partner as well, like I said, I grew up with him. He's like our brother. So it's like my brother's like his brother to him. So, you know, it's right. always been ingrained in us to be inclusive. Um, and, and, and it's not just disabilities. We're talking about all races, all religions, all sexual orientations. You know, we really pride ourselves on being accepting uh, of everybody. And really, everybody deserves the ability to work and should be empowered. And, um, you know, that's really important to us. So we've really made that a priority uh, in our organization. You, you know, you walk around, we've got, we've got four people that are deaf. We've got two people that are autistic. We've got um, a, a wonderful lady who's got cerebral palsy in a wheelchair. Um, we've got a, a couple of people with Asperger's. We have other people on the spectrum that I don't even think have been diagnosed, but um, 
I think a lot of people think that doing that is just like a charity, but it absolutely mm -hmm. is not. What people don't understand is hiring people with disabilities. First of all, you're going to get some of the most dedicated workforce that you've ever had. People that love going to work. People that actually find it um, comforting to do rep repetition. Things that might make Absolutely. people without disabilities bored or think it's monotonous, it actually makes them feel at home. Um, people with disabilities learn through learn from repetition and find comfort in repetition and routine. And when you see somebody with disabilities working their butt off and outperforming you, or just performing as well as you, it doesn't really matter. It's not a competition. But you see people with disabilities out there working their butts off. It inspires your staff. Everybody works harder. Everybody's more grateful. Everybody's nicer to each other. Um, and that's really the culture that we, 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 we're trying to build because all too often people think culture is like, oh, well, we do all these perks, you know, well, which we do, right? We'll do free lunch for our staff once a week. Uh, we do some other stuff, um, you know, that I think that, that people enjoy to try to do team building, but that's not real culture. Culture is built by, you know, setting the standard and, and cheering it from the mountaintops. You know, we, it's, it's written on the walls. It's, it's, it's in every ad that we have, in every employee, you know, every employee video, it's always about an inclusive workplace. Um, we can find a home for anybody from any walk of life with any ability. Um, and I think that that is really, um, it's really built up our staff. It's made, it makes your organization, no matter what size it is, feel smaller and more like a family, even if you're growing at a rapid clip like we are. Um, and I think that that's, it's something that, it's probably one of the things I'm most proud of in my professional career is the culture that we've built. You, sh at, you at should be, man. It's a beautiful thing. It, it, it really like truly was inspiring. And the, the whole family aspect of it, I mean, you just feel it. It, you, it exudes when you walk into a place with 350 people or maybe 275 the day I was there, I was there for two shifts. I was there for both days. And, um, you didn't even feel a difference in the shifts, which I've been to, to large organizations before that are running 24 hours. And there is a clear cultural difference between the first shift and that second shift. And I wouldn't, I couldn't have even told you that there were different people coming in and out. I mean, it was, it was just really cool to see. So, and thank you for sharing your story about your family and kind of, you know, everything you're involved in that, that got you here. And, I just want to make the point to all the other businesses out here listening, you know, it's just as it is to Jed at Stakes um, and his business partner, you know, at Rock, it's a huge focus of ours too. you know, diversity, inclusion, creating a, a culture that's fun, um, that is inclusive, that, you know, this is such a cool industry. And, mm -hmm. and you want it to feel like family. It is small. So, you know, those of you listening, focus on your culture, focus on your people, you know, care for people. It, it, it's what will take you to the top. It's what's going to make you grow 800% during a, a COVID year. You know, Jed and Stakes, I'm sure you, and you would say this, you couldn't have done that without those people. You couldn't have what? done it without people walking in the door and being willing to bust their asses um, 
to help you guys get to where you're at. And then you in turn helping them to get them to where they want to be. And I think that that's the whole reciprocation of, of culture and business. And it's, and it's more necessary now than ever before, because I mean, we sit, our, our building is within 15, 20 miles of two different Amazon facilities. So the competition to get employees is at an all time high. So, you know, by creating that sort of family environment, like you said, is how we differentiate ourselves from the Amazons, the Walmarts and the Costco's that we're competing against because we make people feel better coming to work. Um, and I think that you haven't heard the end of us yet about uh, uh, the disability side because we are building with a couple local organizations and we are trying to basically build a case study slash blueprint for the printing industry. And our goal is to really set the standard, but then we want to start working with all the different print trade organizations and really show them how we've had success doing this because I think a lot of people are intimidated by it. A lot of people don't think they have the management resources to set it up. They don't understand that there's organizations out there that will help support them, that actually make it easier, that will train your employees for you. There's so many different things that people just don't realize are out there. So we really want to be sort of the, the champions uh, of how we can include inclusiveness with people with disabilities in the print industry, um, because I think there's just so many opportunities and so many positions that make sense. So. Uh, look for that coming soon, and maybe we'll do a follow-up uh, interview once. Uh, yeah, once we're ready for oh, that. We'd love yeah. to be a part of that, man, and and help get the word out there, you know, to the industry as well. I mean, it's 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 so important. So um, that's awesome. Definitely love that. Well, not to to completely sure. change subjects, um, but how. You know what? Let's go to a commercial break. And we come, that's a good good place to actually cut this off. That was a great, great conversation. Um, so we'll go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll get a little bit more uh, into the technical side of uh, DTC and fulfillment. So with that, we will be right back. We know you want to continue to stay in the forefront of the industry, but there are several variables to consider when determining the best time for your business to automate. We believe your attention is too valuable to be lost to this concern, which is why we worked with our incredible partners like you to develop the first ever Automation Ready Score. Visit rock.us to receive your free Automation Ready Score today and press onward. Want to welcome everybody back to Rock Shop Talk, your one-stop rock shop where we talk all things screen printing. Today we are talking about direct-to-consumer printing and fulfillment. We are joined with Jed Seifert of Stakes Manufacturing. I'm Rock U.S. President Ross Hunter, and alongside of us, Mr. Merrill Caps, our creative producer. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Oh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the install experience. So Jed mm-hmm. kind of mentioned... Um, we spent a few months developing, right? This this rock fold pack and shipping label solution for for them uh, specifically, which always is fun. Kind of being a beta, you know, we had a, a folder, we had a packer, we had a label maker, but doing it all the work with their system um, to get it in there. They got three units. We're we're coming up right before you know their quote Super Bowl end quote. I mean, really high time season around Christmas and and Black Friday and and all those holidays. Um, and we were there for a long time. So we had a, a technician, uh, his name is Brian and, uh, he was on site. I want to say for close to almost a month and getting things installed, 
making tweaks, making, you know, adjustments. I think, you know, there was multiple days where he'd actually work through all three of your shifts um, or at least two and then come back later and work on another one. Um, and we had to do a lot of work. I mean, it was, you know, it was quite a project to, to, to set this up and, and get everything going. Can you kind of explain that experience that, that your staff had there, kind of what you guys saw from us um, and, and kind of how that whole experience is just kind of getting a, a beta unit um, up and going and running um, would yeah. be cool. Yeah, and I think before, before that, I, I want to tell you guys how much I appreciate everything you guys have done because, um, you know, when we came to you with the idea, we didn't commit a dollar. We didn't promise any purchases. We just had an idea. We just said, hey, it would be great if your machine did this. And, you know, as a company that does R&D ourselves, we know that there's a cost to that, time, effort, um, and you guys did it um, and, and did it successfully. So we were really appreciative of that. Um, you know, you said you thought you could do it and you did it. Uh, that's, that's incredible. Uh, you not only helped us with the machines, but you helped us source the right material to use the poly mailer. You helped us source the right vendor locally. I mean, it was really just a tremendous experience. Um, and then Brian, well, you got a good one in Brian, because I mean, we basically have to tell him to go home because otherwise, <laughs> which uh, hopefully that rubs off on other people because he is, yeah, he was great. Um, you know, and I think, so for us, we also appreciate the amount of time he put in and the amount of time that you guys committed to having to support us because we needed it. Right. At the end of the day, we were going into our super, the reality is beginning to Q4, we're already running hundred miles per hour. There, there, there is, right. there, there's no slowdown. So like we didn't have the time, the bandwidth or the management staff to properly learn the machines and train people on machines in the minuscule window we provided ourselves from like the beginning of November until Thanksgiving to, to get this all up and running and everything rocking and rolling. And then, you know, we did it over that three week period. And then we had, and then Brian stayed over after to make sure not only was everybody trained, not everything was everything working, but once we started getting into that tens of thousands of units a day that we were pumping out of the, out of the facility, um, he was there to make sure that it worked in production. Right. Cause it's, it's always right. easy to make something work once or when you just say, we call that, we call that trade show working. Yeah. What happens when I try to run thousands of units off that machine, 24, you know, I'm running it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How does it stand the test of time? So um, you got, Brian was tremendous at helping train our team. Again, I didn't, we literally didn't have the bandwidth because, you know, we're dealing with, there was a lot of things we were dealing with. So many new faces, you know, typically going into holiday, maybe we're hiring a hundred people that were seasonal, but like half of our staff had only been there for anywhere from 30 to 60 days. Um, so everybody's wow. new. There was no seasoned veterans. And, you know, there was also, a big storm, wasn't there, if I remember correctly? Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, this anything they can't. You own a business, anything. There was like, you guys like had the compounded, yeah, it was like one of those when it rains, it pours situations. Of course, of course. course. COVID, snowstorms, last minute integrations, you know, we (laughs) like to keep it interesting. We don't get bored over here. Um, But, you know, we just, we literally wouldn't have had the time to properly train people. We didn't have the managers to support it. And the other thing too was we couldn't afford 
to dedicate our best fulfillment, our most seasoned and best fulfillment people to The Rock because we needed them doing the other processes because the gap because the right. gap in what their performance would be compared to these new people that have been there for 30 days was huge. So we're taking people that literally might have been hired two weeks ago and putting them on this machine. So it was really important that we had the support. It was really important that we had the proper training to understand the equipment and there to be able to troubleshoot. Because that's the other thing. Let's be frank. I've never installed a single piece of equipment in any capacity from any company that did have problems during, you know, sort of the launch. You always got to kind of work out the kinks, as they say. Um, You know, so to have somebody there to support it, you guys dedicating him for that amount of time was, it was tremendous. And it took a lot of the burden off of our staff. And and I think it really helped grow sort of the rock stake strategic partnership too, because it it showed that um, you weren't just there to sell us a piece of equipment and, and, and disappear you were there to support us and there to make sure that, that it was working because what a lot of people don't understand is an hour of downtime, hours of downtime, even an hour is detrimental to our business when we are at capacity for that sort of black Friday for until Christmas. So we can't afford downtime. Um, right. and, and to be able to, when there were issues to be able to fix them quickly and attentively, and it's not just Brian. I don't want to give him all the credit because you know you also have a tremendous team that supported him, both here stateside and as well as in Portugal. Um, and and you guys gave our team full access. So while Brian may have wanted to sleep in our facility or may have been willing to sleep in our facility, <laughs> he absolutely couldn't. And we run twenty four hours a day. So you guys properly set us up with support, you know, in Portugal, so that we made sure that there was always somebody that we could call even if it was 3 a.m. on, you know, 3 a.m. on a Sunday and and something was broken. So um, it was was great support. It was a great install. And um, yeah, and we're we're looking forward to, you know, continuing to develop with the equipment as well. Um, We've got some ideas. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, it was great to to visit you last time and uh, meet with the team. And we've had, you know, meetings since with Portugal. And I mean, that's the big thing with, with the rock equipments. We're constantly developing engineering, making things better, you know, to better fit the needs of, of all of our different types of clients. Cause, cause everyone is different. I mean, to your point, you, you don't really have competition, you know, as you were saying in the traditional sense in your space, I mean, I'm sure you have competitors, but, um, you know, there's less, it's more, you actually have other printers relying on you guys or working with other printers, right. To help with their fulfillment needs. So, um, so each kind of business uses this equipment differently. And, um, you know, we've been developing this folding line, just so everyone knows the first iteration of this was actually created by the two brothers that started, uh, rock, um, 25 years ago the first iteration of this came out. So the development, right, that's happened throughout time and what we've been able to do in the last 18 months with this machine is absolutely uh, incredible. So if you haven't seen one, um, hit us up. And uh, we've got folding, packing, stacking, labeling units all over the country at this point. Um, Happy to set up a shop visit or demo um anywhere out there for anyone who wants to see one just hello at at rock.us and we'll get you set up uh to take a look at one 
Otherwise, come visit us at a, at a trade show. We typically will have the full line at, at Long Beach. So um, ISS in January, um, we'll have our full suite of products there. Um, and and uh, yeah, it's awesome. It's such a cool machine. It's still it's mesmerizing for me to stand and just watch it because it's one of those machines that's just, it's very cool looking. Yeah, it is. It is cool looking. You, know, you, you, you see printers that print T-shirts. Yeah, they're, they're cool too. You see other equipment that we have, they're cool too. But the rock, the, the the folder bagger is like, how do I just, it's almost, a, it's almost like a novelty. Like, like everybody who comes to our facility, that's the part of the tour where they go, oh, that, oh, wait, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. You know, once you start seeing those arms folding up the shirt and then, you know, the stacker and the bagger, it, it, it is definitely uh is definitely a, a cool piece of equipment and, and people always get excited uh, to see it. So it's worth checking out. Even if you don't, even if you don't need that in your facility, it's definitely worth checking out what the technology does. And uh, you guys have done a really good job streamlining it. Thank That's you awesome. so much for that. So, so to kind of segue just kind of into your thoughts on the industry in general, where, where do you see our industry going you know, the rest of this year, you know, into next year, you kind of touched on this a little bit just with, you know, we were all waiting to see if, you know, now that we're back to normal, I'm putting that in major quotation marks uh, with my hands here for those of you that are just listening to the podcast. But now that we're back to normal, um, you know, you said that, uh, you know, we're waiting to see is this online thing going to change or people are people's buying habits going to go back to, you know, shopping in a mall you know, or, or is everyone understanding the convenience of the internet at this point? Um, so what, what do you see? Like, how, how do you kind of see this going the rest of this year and into, into next, just from a, a global industry perspective? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that this is, uh, while COVID was an accelerator, it was already happening. And I don't think that there is any going back. Um, e-commerce is, is everything, it, you know, Brick and mortar is 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 dying a slow death. Not that there's not still value there, um, but you know, when COVID hit, people like my mom, who are you know in her mid seventies, never shopped online at a, for a number of reasons, including weird fears of her identity being stolen and all types of stuff. Right, it just was never an online shopper. And well, then all of a sudden she was forced to buy her groceries online to get them delivered. She's never going to go to a mall again to buy her gifts <laughs> ever. She's yeah. a total convert. Absolutely. And I think so. You've got people that were never doing it are doing it more. Um, people have gotten more comfortable with e-commerce. And again, we've seen a lot of the challenges with mass production. We've seen a lot of the challenges with overseas production and not just COVID related. Um, and it's really set the stage for the direct garment industry to just blow up. Uh, in, 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 and, and the growth is going to be incredible because right now it's such a minute percentage. I think it's like, I think the decorated apparel industry is like $15 billion and digital printing is less than 2% of that. So, right. so you're in an industry that's already booming, but is very much so in its infant stages. You know, you've got a lot of early adopters that use it. You've got a lot of people who, uh, but anybody who doesn't talk about on demand and, and has a brand and is doing consumer products probably won't have a job that long because they're going to be the companies that are falling behind. 
So, you know, everybody kind of realized once they had to shut the physical doors, oh my God, maybe we should have invested more time and resources into e-commerce. And now that they're building their e-commerce arm, you know, there's higher margins in e-commerce. You don't have to, you know, you got less employees, you got less brick and mortar. And you're seeing this transition, not just with small, it's everybody. I mean, you look at Nike and the way Nike, sure, you still buy Nike shoes everywhere, but the focus on driving everything to their website as a destination to build their sales there, it's it's the way everything is going, right? Everything is going towards e-commerce. Um, everything is going to fast, quick turn fulfillment. Um, the desire to personalize and customize is at an all-time high and is continuing to climb higher and higher because while we sell cotton and ink, what we're really selling is people's personal expression, right? Whether it's my Washington right. football team shirt, you know, your steak shirt that you're wearing, uh, you know, <laughs> your, your favorite nonprofit, some goofy saying, it doesn't matter what it is, your kid's soccer team, you know, it's, it's, it's your own little billboard of your personality and, and who you are. Um, so I think that, you, as I've said probably three times already, this industry is just in its infant stages. It's going to grow continue to grow at a very rapid clip. Um, and you're starting to see people that you might've never thought would do on demand are now doing on demand. People are realizing that it needs to be a part of their business model. And it doesn't just cannibalize the other part. It actually makes you better, you know, at your, it allows you to be more methodical with your, your, your mass production. Like why go print 10,000 shirts of what you think is going to be your best design when you could launch 10 designs on your website and let your people decide what's the best buy based off of sales and then go to retail with that. You know, like Absolutely. when you have a success on a, on a t-shirt design, like why just sell that t-shirt when you can sell it on fleece and, and, and kids and youth and onesies and all types of other things. So it's allowing people to expand their catalogs, create additional revenue streams. And, and most importantly, People are as risk adverse as they've been with cash flow due to seeing what COVID can do to your business. So, you know, giving people the ability to have more money to invest in their business and marketing and sales and, and, and growing their, their operation um, is a tremendous benefit from not having to spend all that money to have that cash sitting in cotton um, on the shelf with a bunch of finished goods that you may or you may not sell through. Um, so, Which, you, you know, that brings up an interesting point, too, that I, I don't think it's pointed out enough in the direct-to-consumer fulfillment space, which is, you know, as we all know, our industry um, is not great for the environment from a t-shirt perspective, right? You know, inks and stuff like that are pretty negligible in the environmental impact, but when I'm talking environmental impact, it's how we're getting our cotton, how much water we're using, how these things are sewn, all these factories, the labor involved, all the shipping overseas, back and forth, so on and so forth, right? And, you know, to your point, Jed, when you're talking about bulk fulfillment or, you know, bulk ordering, you've got people that'll print five, 10,000 designs. What happens when people don't buy those stuff? Those shirts typically, they're not recycled they're tossed, they end up donated, and then they end up back overseas in the streets of, yeah, I mean, I could put pictures up at some point, but it's disturbing to see how many of our unused garments just end up in piles and streets in Haiti, and some of these other, you know, third world countries um, that are basically taking our, our waste. 
And, you know, with direct to consumer fulfillment, the people that are ordering that shirt, they want it. They're going to wear it. They're going to put it in their right. closet and they're going to wear it. To your point, it's their personal expression. It's their statement. It's not a freebie that was thrown out at a ball game. You know, <laughs> it's, it's something that they want. And so I, it'll be interesting to see as this continues to your point, it's about 2%, you know, of the total market right now, as that grows, I'm curious to see what the environmental impact is going to be as our industry continues to shift that way because um, I'm hoping there would be less waste because there's less mass production being done. You're still producing and shipping out 25,000 pieces a day, but that's going to 25,000 people's homes that are, you know, opening a package and they're excited to, you know, get their garment and put it on and wear it with pride and it stays in their closet. So just kind of an interesting point that that uh I, I wonder how that will actually look when when it comes to fruition yeah and it's you know the the t-shirt the industry the decorated apparel industry is also growing tremendously i think i saw a stat that in the next five years it's going to grow by 50 percent. so <laughs> that's incredible growth and it's not just the waste it's also you know the production methods the inks you're using you know mm-hmm. digital printing is breaking down the stigmas, uh, like you mentioned, of the print industry, which really doesn't have a good reputation at all. Um, no. but when you're printing digitally, you're eliminating the waste, you're using water-based inks, you're using less energy to make the product. Um, so yeah, I think it definitely has a huge impact, impact on, on sort of the carbon footprint of the industry and the reputation of the industry. Um, so it's, and that's exciting to be a part of too. Absolutely. Yeah, it was interesting, too, when you talked about your your mom online shopping um, and how prevalent that's become. I just read an article yesterday of kind of the whole reason that Amazon bought Whole Foods. And it wasn't because they wanted to own grocery stores. Uh, Well, it is because they wanted to own grocery stores. It's not because they wanted to own Whole Whole Foods. They bought it to understand the business model of how to run the grocery business to then open what's going to be called Amazon Fresh. And they're planning on opening these small boutique, I'm guessing like Trader Joe's size um, grocery stores all over the country. And the goal is to get groceries delivered to consumer at their home in 24 hours or less. And so their whole point is to make grocery delivery simpler. So, I mean, we're continuing to go down that path. And I, for the first time, did an in-car pickup this weekend, and it was amazing. I ordered online. I drove there. I sat in a little bay. You know, they I called the number. They're like, we'll be right there. I opened the hatch on the back of my car. They popped some stuff in, and I drove away. And I mean, I was, I, I used to always be an in-store shopper. So, it's definitely going you know, that direction. So, so and Amazon has been wanting to do this for quite some time. When I was living in Los Angeles, um, I guess this happened probably eight years ago. I got a delivery at my house, uh, just a random box from Amazon with a bunch of groceries. I never asked for this. I never ordered this. I just had a brand new Amazon fresh box with a bunch of stuff. I didn't know what it was. I ended up having to, I ended up donating it because I thought it was like a mistake. 
but then I found out days later that they were trying to do this like trial program. Like you probably should have let me know, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that's, that's going to be amazing coupled with, have you guys seen their facility with the thing in um, in Seattle where you just go and you take the thing out the door and it scans you as you walk out? Have you experienced that Ross? No. Oh, it's yeah. It's amazing. We have things scanning us now. Oh yeah. So the, are the implants are real Meryl? (laughs) You've had had things scanning you for a long time. Long time. Yeah. (laughs) People are like, Oh, they're going to track me. It's like, uh, you you know, you were given a social security number when you were born. We've been tracking you your whole life. By the way, this is recording everything you're doing. If you ever notice you turn on (laughs) Facebook or anything and it's like, Oh, it just fed me an ad for Amazon fresh. How did you know we were just talking about that? Weird. (laughs) Yeah, it didn't start targeting me when I, I just had my my baby and I've been talking about babies and then all of a sudden all my ads change on my phone and it's like bump box and this thing and this thing. Um, and I'm a sucker, so I buy things when it does that. I need to stop feeding the beast because <laughs> I'm really bad about that. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, let's wrap this up. Oh, go ahead. No, please. No, I was just gonna. I was going back to his comment about the Amazon, where he just kind of walked out too. I mean, yeah. Being the cashier industry is going the opposite direction of the DTG industry. I mean, mm-hmm. I even went into a gas station yesterday, and that was self checkout. I mean, it's seriously. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And now wow. McDonald's is doing all automated things as well. Yeah. Oh, so before we go, I, this is something that came up to me. I would love to talk about. From your perspective slash a, uh, a worker's perspective, there, I know there's a lot of fear around automation. However, at a certain point, none of us are going to have the opportunity to choose. Like everything's going to be automated for some degree of what you do. So how, where is the middle ground for you? Where's the sweet spot? And what are you able to do with your, your, your team now that you're able to not have to have them kind of do this regular monotonous stuff and focus on more thoughtful, engaging things. Look, I think automation is a beautiful thing. And I think that there's a lot of people that see it and have this big fear and they go, oh, it's going to replace humans. There's not going to be any room for human jobs. Um, I don't believe that. All right. Sure. I just said to you that I think a cashier job is a thing of the past. But humans, we evolve, right? We, right. We, and that's what we do. That same fear, if you go back to the Industrial Revolution, everybody was so scared. Oh, my God. No, there's never going to be a work for anybody again. But coming out of it, more jobs than there were ever before, better economies than there ever were before. So mm. it streamlines your operations. It makes you better. It makes you faster. But you always are going to need humans. And granted, I get that AI, and I am a bit scared about AI. I could go down a long hole <laughs> there. We, I don't think we do that. Um, but Another you know, show. But you're going to always need humans. You're going to always need critical thinkers. And the more automation allows you to use people for better things, right? Like it allows you to grow your yeah. business. I can have more people doing sales, more people doing marketing, more people doing mm-hmm. creative. Um, you know, and your business again evolves. And, and we've also seen that's why there's gonna be there's more developers now than there ever has been. And that 
industry is just going to keep growing. So, um, you know, it, it is, it scares a lot of people to me. It doesn't scare to me, but we're cognizant about it, right? Like anytime I, even when I brought in your equipment, it crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. It has to, as a business owner, are the people in the fulfillment department going to look at these machines and go, Oh shit. There's right. 50 of us. Is my time numbered? Like, are they going to fire half of us? Cause now they have these machines. That's not the case. Um, and again, I'm excited to automate. I mean, we're, the rock was a step in automation. We're looking to add conveyors around the building again, to make people more efficient. If you look at the Ross, you've been in our building. It's big. If you look at step right. count, the average step count of our employees, it's far too high. They're spending too yeah. much time walking around than they are doing what their actual job is. Walking has become such an integral part of their job. So we allow them to be more efficient. You know, when we put in conveyors, we're going to make it so that somebody goes from walking five miles a day to maybe like half a mile a day. There's still work for them. They're just being more efficient. So I, I embrace automation. And, and less healthy. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> although, although better for their bodies from, you know, the monotony of having to fold and that kind of thing. So it's a trade-off. I like the idea of like what you're going after, like, Automation in conjunction with people is the way to go to help them do their jobs more efficiently, to help them do their jobs more creatively. But yeah, it is, it's a genuine fear that you have to just, you have to understand as a business. Um, but again, I, I don't, if you don't automate and you don't evolve, you're going to be left in the, the dust. I mean, it's just, there's no other way around it. And again, humans will evolve. They'll become jobs that we never knew that existed before because uh, that's just what we do. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, cool. I want to kind of wrap this up. And uh, Jed wanted to give uh, you a chance to tell our audience uh, how they can find Stakes Manufacturing via the web, um, website, uh, perhaps Instagram, Facebook, candles, any of that kind of stuff that you've got so people can can take a look at what you guys are doing. Absolutely. Um, so you can check us out at stakesmfg.com or stakesmanufacturing.com. Either will get you there. Um, and if you're interested in working with us, for us, um, or just interested more about our mission statement as a business and kind of what we're doing, um, please reach out to us uh, through the website. There's a contact form there, um, and we'd love to hear from you. That's awesome, awesome man. Um, and then just kind of final thoughts. Um, what is like one fun fact, fulfillment experience, sale that you guys did, just just something just super cool that's like a fun thing for you to tell everyone about, about stakes? It's an interesting question. I don't know what's fun to the audience versus what's fun to me, right? So for what's fun to me is uh, we got to print t-shirts and jackets uh, for the Washington Capitals um, and the Washington Nationals when they won the Stanley Cup in the World Series. Uh, we actually printed the yes. jacket that they were wearing on the podium at the, you know, at the end when they're doing all the trophy speeches and stuff. That was a pretty cool okay, moment for cool. me as a diehard DC sports fan to not only have this like great moment, but then like feel like I'm a part of it um, and producing product for it. That was a very, very cool experience. You know, when you deal with so many people in sports and entertainment on a daily basis, you almost get numb to it. It doesn't have the sort of same 
coolness factor that it does to people. Uh, but that one hit home and, and that one was really cool. Uh, and then the other one is um, we're actually doing a, we're doing something right now actually for um, my, as I mentioned earlier, my brother has fragile X. So there's a big, uh, the national fragile X foundation does a big annual fundraiser called uh, the X strides event, um, which we are the main sponsor for and doing t-shirts for. And uh, that's always cool too, man, because it's like, uh, it's awesome. It makes me feel like we're, 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 we're walking the walk and not just talking about it. Um, and we're being a part of cool things. So I think those are two cool things that we've been involved with that I've been really excited about. And I think just our growth too. I mean, it's been very difficult um, and it's been hard, but it's fun. It's, it, it's fun. Um, I, I, I call it being Rocky Balboa. You just get, you just get knocked down every round, but if you're still standing by the end of the match, you're the champion. And I think that's what, running a business is. And uh, I've been very proud of our, our team's ability to just keep getting back up to every challenge that, 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 that knocks us down and um, excited to just keep growing and have a bigger impact on the industry um, and a bigger in- impact on the community. Most excellent. Awesome, man. And I think that your anthem, each shift should be, uh, I get knocked down by Chumbawamba. So every time the shift change happens, that song should play uh, based on the uh, or the, the comments that like you just that made. Too. Yeah, you could do both, you know, or you know, get we, someone like Meryl to mix the two together because I bet he could find some creative way to do that. So, so my, actual anthem, my actual anthem about getting knocked out is, is uh, good old Frank Sinatra. Um, that's life. And uh, I've okay. played that. I play that song for my kids and I literally not just play it for them, but have them listen to it as a lesson because that's people are like, that's what, people, that's what all the people say. Entrepreneurs are like different people, but we're not, you just, you just got to learn to always get back up. And I think that that is every aspect of life, you know? Um, so that's, I really try to ingrain that in my kids. And that's uh, one of my favorite uh, songs of all time. I did think you were going to say that we should do the Rocky anthem uh, when we were going to shift change. That might be pretty cool too. <laughs> I think we should. We'll have to do something with awesome. a ton of rock with there somehow. But um, also, Jed, I would love if if there is a link that we can share with the audience uh, when this comes out to support the uh, the event with your brother. That would be great. Happy to do Absolutely. that. Yeah, it's uh, absolutely. You, if you just go to fragilex.org, it's actually you can see all the stuff right on the homepage there. Fragilex.org. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, with that, Jed, I want to say thank you so much for joining us, man. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, Meryl, thank you uh, for putting this together. Kristen Sousa in the background here, making this sure we all sound okay. Um, thank you for being here, madam. And uh, to all rockers out there, non-rockers, printers, non-printers, keep pressing onward. And uh, we'll see you next time. We'll see you on the road. Thank you. Tremendous thanks to Jed Seifert for joining us today. As always, thank you for spending time with us this week, and thank you for trusting us as your partner in print. Tune in at your convenience wherever you listen to your podcast by searching Rock Shop Talk. We'll be on a limited summer schedule for the rest of the tour, but we'll be back soon on our next episode. If you'd like to request to be on the show, please visit rock.us slash rockshoptalk. If you found today's episode helpful, please recommend it to a friend who you think might find it helpful as well. Please like, share, and subscribe on social media. And until next time, rockers, press onward. Press onward.